Welcome to the Create and Thrive Summer Series, where I share the highlights from the show from 2018. I hope you enjoy this episode, but if you're a long-time listener and you've heard it before, why not check out my brand new podcast, The Business of Making, that I host with Deb Engelmeyer and Michaela Danvers. Every week, we get together for a chat about what it takes to really run a successful handmade business. Just get over to thebusinessofmaking.com and check it out right now. We've got a new episode landing every single week for the foreseeable future. So I hope you enjoy that one as well. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full time in 2010. And since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey there, Thriver. Welcome to this episode of the show, the summer series of the podcast. Before we go on, have you signed your good self up to my free mini course, Look Back, Move Forward, starting on the 1st of January? The aim of the course is to guide you through a set of questions that will help you to review the year that has been and set yourself up for success in 2019. So to get access to that, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash LBMF for look back, move forward. That's createandthrive.com forward slash LBMF. Pop your email in there and you'll get that mini course come the 1st of January. Now that's free. Anybody can sign up for that. So I hope you do. But if you enjoy it and you want to get into your planning for 2019, then I have the answer in the form of my handmade business bootcamp that I've run for a few years now. That starts on the second week of January. It's a three-week course and I take you through uh, planning for the year and marketing planning for the year so that you can get started with clarity and a rock-solid plan to move your business forward in 2019. That is available to members of the Thrivers Circle. So, you know, if you want to just join up for a month to do the course, you can absolutely do that. Membership is open right now over at thrivercircle.com. And that'll be kicking off, as I said, the second week of January. And the members of the circle always love this course. So I'm really looking forward to running it again. And if you feel like, you know, you're starting off the year, you don't quite know what you want to do. This course will help you to solve that problem. So today I'm revisiting my episode, my interview with Marina Darlow, and she is an expert in systems. Systems are so important when you want to grow and scale, and also when you just want to keep things running well. So we talk about that, we deep dive into systems and why they matter, rituals, routines in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi Marina, welcome to the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you here to talk about systems. And we're going to be talking a little bit about business systems, I believe. Building business systems so that, you know, when you get sick or things get busy or whatever might be happening, that your business doesn't all fall apart. And uh, personally, I found that this is an incredibly important, (laughs) important part of my business, especially as a solopreneur. Uh, having you know I have some help but really the buck stops with me and I think pretty much all of you listening will be in the same boat so Marina can you just kind of start by talking a little bit about uh, your work with systems and why they are important gladly so first and foremost good systems 
is what allows most people to create, to even begin having a creative brain space without other things infringing upon it. Mm-hmm. It's much easier. Like I know that I feel much more free and liberated when I have certain boundaries because A, it limits my choices, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm not constantly, you know, there's no tugging feeling that something can distract me at any given moment. So my creative time and my creative mental space is protected. And when I say mental space, I don't mean just I sit here in my room and I write my next blog post. Or if I were as creative as most of your audience, I would do something, you know, like with my hands. Mm-hmm. I'm ridiculously ungifted when it comes to <laughs> knitting and drawing and all these wonderful things that I'm completely jealous that people can do. But everybody, especially in solopreneurship, we all create stuff, right? This is what we do. Mm-hmm. So when I say my creative space, I don't only mean that nobody will barge into my room. I also mean that this nagging thoughts about the invoice that I need to send out and about that package that has to come and hasn't come yet. And all these little things, they're not buzzing around my brain because I have a system that takes care of them. And I allow for the right time and space for these activities. So when I come back to my creative space, I can do it without worry, with far less stress. This is why systems are literally, they're like a support structure, like bones. Absolutely. I really love what you said as well about um, constraints being important. You know, I think that's really, really important for people to realize that, you know, having these things, these constraints or systems in place, it's not a bad thing. It's actually a positive thing that helps you be more creative and find the space for that. Um, I think it reminds me of um, getting things done by David Allen. And he talks about when uh, you have all these thoughts in your head, like you were saying, you know, oh, this invoice or this bill or that email I have to send, they're called open loops. And until you get them out of your head and, and capture them somewhere and then have a time to actually action them, they'll, they'll just keep distracting you and you won't be able to get that deep focus on your creative work that you could get otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I like to think about creative energy like a current of water. So, for instance, if you have a stream and it just goes all over the place, the power of the stream at any given point would be, you know, fairly low. Yeah. It would it may flood your backyard, but the depth <laughs> would be, you know, you can waddle through it and it won't knock out your barriers like your fences. Mm-hmm. If however, you put the same amount of water into a channel with banks. This is how turbines are made, right? Mm -hmm. This is how you create more energy with electricity. This is how this water is really, really powerful and it flows in one specific direction and it becomes like, you know, like a white water rafting river, if you will. And it's the same with our thoughts and our focus and our energy. If it's spread all over the place, it's not as, the impact is not as great. Mm. But when you have boundaries, when you have this, you know, these riverbanks, so to speak, and you direct your energy somewhere, then it moves mountains. Absolutely. I love that analogy. That's really, really awesome. And it's about the power and direction of your creative, I guess, energy. 
And I think especially when people make this transition, they've been doing something they really enjoy for fun. It's It's been all about the creativity and the, the passion and the energy is there. When people make that choice to turn something creative into a business or a money-making opportunity, there's suddenly this enormous amount of extra work that goes on top of that and surrounds it. And that extra work can end up like, you know, it's like breaking the banks and it can just completely dilute your creative energy and dilute your flow and you get completely distracted from the creative work because you're so busy doing the other things, the other aspects of business. And I think something that a lot of beginners and even people who've been doing it, like I've been in business for 10 years now and I still make these mistakes, is that you, you might not have a really strong system or you neglect your system and that means that you don't have the creative energy because you're so spread out and everything kind of falls apart a little bit so it's by working out you know what you can systematize and how and and what works for you you know are you the sort of person who thrives under having every hour of your day scheduled or every minute of your day scheduled or are you the sort of person that likes to be a bit more fluid with that within a larger system you know one day might be dedicated to making another day might be dedicated to admin or something like that I think it's working out the systems that work for you and putting them into practice in a way that allows you to I guess differentiate where you spend your energy you know when you're you're spending your energy on the administration tasks you can just focus on them and get them done and then you have the freedom to focus on the creative tasks as well absolutely and you know you mentioned something that i want to build upon Mm -hmm. um you say that certain people thrive when every minute of their day is completely scheduled Mm -hmm. and other people need like to dedicate an entire day to just this big creative task And I want to add upon that. First of all, yes, of course, this is how we work. I have a really good friend who wrote her award-winning PhD uh, in history. And the way she works is 20 minutes on Facebook, 20 minutes of writing, 20 minutes in (laughs) forums, another 20 minutes of writing. And that what works best for her. This is how she focuses. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I have a client on the other end of the scale that needs a minimum of six hours to come up with anything right <laughs> because he needs his you know he needs his brain to be immersed uh in a particular task it could be a big one even if he's doing something else it still runs in the background the ideas are still kind of you know growing and only when he has enough time to let it fester <laughs> something comes up out of it you know like the, the rising bread why is it important? Because when you said that we make best use of our energy by making sure we use the systems around us, um, I want to kind of sharpen that point. Mm-hmm. It's very important to be aware of your own personal focus patterns. Mm-hmm. And focus patterns is just what I said. How do you focus best? Especially how do you focus best on creative work, deep work. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Cal Newport's book mm-hmm. about deep work. Yeah, so essentially he says for the people in the audience, what he says that in order to produce really amazing results, something truly meaningful and valuable, you need to get past the setup times. You need to be able to be in the deep work mindset. And in order to get into this mindset, 
you need a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. It's rarely produced in half an hour. So deep work, these blocks of deep work is when we truly make something worth sharing with the world. And these blocks have to be protected at all costs because this is our core. It's like the core of our creation. Now, in order to figure out what your creative blocks are, you need to be attuned to your focus patterns. You need to basically realize, do you need two hours minimum? Do you need six hours? Do you need an entire day? Mm -hmm. Or are you perfectly fine, you know, doing 20-minute segments for <laughs> a creative kind of work? I honestly look. That friend is an outlier. Yeah, she's sure. also you know she's also this person that took <laughs> took up knitting because her husband got offended when she played solitaire in front of the TV. She you know one of these multitasking people, <laughs> and he was like, "You're not with me because you're not looking at you know you're not looking at the screen with me. You're looking at the solitaire." And she's like, "I'm following. I can't otherwise. Like you know, my brain needs more than one track." <laughs> So she took up knitting because knitting did not offend him. So they could watch <laughs> their Netflix together. But, you know, these are outliers. This is actually pretty rare. Mm. Most of us, myself included, we need these blocks. We need to figure out how we work best, how much time we need to set into the mindset of this deep, deep work. I hate repeating myself, but mm. that's really it. And then you protect these blocks with your life. <laughs> you build systems that make sure that your creative time are sacred. It could be, you know, if you use a calendar, you block it so no meetings happen there. If you need to leave your house because the dishes are calling, mm -hmm. this is my case. Like, yeah. it's, very, it's very hard for me to just close the door to my office if there are dishes in the sink. Mm -hmm. So I know that before my creative block, my sink needs to be clean <laughs> and the dishwasher running in the background. You know, it's a system that I yeah. have. So you need to build a system to protect these creative times. If you work, you know, in corporate, it could be as easy as using headphones. Mm. So people don't, you know, come across and bother you. Um, you need to communicate maybe with your children or if you have toddlers, like make sure that you, I hate to say this, but you put them in front of their favorite um what are toddlers watching now? SpongeBob? I have no, no idea. <laughs> oh, mine is bigger, like we're past that stage. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like make sure you have a process of protecting these creative blocks. And then you have a process of going into your creative state. Mm. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, that's really yeah, go ahead. interesting because I was just thinking about the idea of energy because we all have, you know, ebbs and flows in energy. So one of the other elements of this I think is really important is working out what your natural ebbs and flows are and making sure that you you schedule these creative blocks when you have the, the right sort of energy or, the you know, the right creative energy so you can be productive. Like, for example, if you know that, uh, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon you have no energy, that's probably not the best time to be scheduling this sort of deep work. That's more the sort of time where you want to be answering emails or something like that. And from that point, um, having some sort of ritual or routine, a system to get into the system. So I'll pass it back to you to talk about that. Uh, sure. I just want to add uh, about the times that you mentioned. It's super important, and I completely second that. But it's in many cases, it's bigger than just your time throughout the day. Mm -hmm. It's your time throughout the week because Monday morning you may be too bummed out that the weekend is over <laughs> or 
No. Alternatively, this is when you're really excited because your kids are finally at school and you can do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Friday, you may be tired or you may be, again, like you may be more inspired to do creative work because you're way too tired to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But so it's not just throughout the day, it's throughout the week. And it's also throughout the month many mm-hmm. times, especially if you happen to be female. Yeah, for sure. Like I have a client who schedules her creative time to make sure they don't fall on certain days of the month mm-hmm. because her brain just shuts down. Yeah. It happens. And then if we uh, circle back to what you call system within a system, it's I find it really helpful to have rituals around almost any task. Mm. It's especially true for creative tasks, but what whatever task it is, the transitions between different activities are really time and energy consuming. You know, when you need to move from, say, answering an email to putting together a presentation to ordering tickets for a conference to sitting down and thinking up an idea for your next creative project, it doesn't happen, you know, at a snap of the fingers. Mm. Definitely not for me. And for many people, there's like a whole science around um, the brain chemistry of transition. You're, you know, you come from a certain higher level of energy and then it drops because suddenly you're not doing the thing that you were doing. You're not, there's no inertia. The inertia stops. Right. And then you need to go back to the level of energy that's required for your next task. And it's really helpful to find a ritual that would make the transition easier to, first of all, you become aware that, okay, I'm transitioning. I'm not beating myself up that I can't focus and I can't concentrate on a certain thing and I'm not getting annoyed at myself. I know that it's transition time. So it's okay for me to get up and do two circles around my chair and maybe have a glass of water and then sit down. And then there's the ritual for starting a task that is also really, really important. So for instance, uh, when I was recording my pilot course last summer, one of my rituals was taking the cable of my microphone and plugging it into a computer. The microphone was there. Uh, You know, it's it's always near. But the action of plugging it in would signal to me, almost at a subconscious level, Mm -hmm. that it's time to get into the recording mode, which for me is, you know, it's part of creative work because I talk and, you know, I process and I create something. Like I make something into existence. Mm -hmm. So that's a ritual. And then there is another ritual. So we talked about, you know, rituals and which are part of the system, they're repetitive and they're easy and you know them. They're almost like they're semi-automatic in a sense. They're rituals for starting a task and they could be different rituals for different tasks. Mm. But, you know, in one of your episodes, you talk about finishing creative projects, about like kind of knowing when the heck it's done, why creative work is never done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? And it's a real pain because... As solopreneurs and especially as creative makers, we don't have your corporate metrics when Mm. done is done. You don't go home at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. And even if you do, your brain's still kind of working on the idea because it could always be be made better. Yes. And it's hard to set, I would say, artificial boundaries around creative projects. 
because you can always add something, you can always polish it a little better, and you can always, you know, again, for me, the most creative endeavor is popular writing. I could always make it better written. Mm. I could always polish a text a little better. And writing is really challenging for me, too. Mm. English is <clears throat> by far my not my first language. <laughs> so I know that if I keep looking at the same piece, I can make it better infinitely. So how do I stop? How do I make myself go out of the situation? How do I kind of calm down? It's okay, mm. enough is enough. There are, again, rituals for finishing. There's, like, when you feel that it's time to stop, and you never feel that it's good enough, but let's say you have something else on your calendar, mm -hmm. right? You need to get up. How do you decide for yourself, for yourself first and foremost, that you're done with it, or at least that you're done with it for today and it's good enough for right now? Mm -hmm. You create a certain finishing ritual. It could be anything. It could be as easy as closing your laptop. It could be as elaborate as only allowing yourself to get a thin mint once you finish a chapter <laughs> or once you, you know, once you stop knitting the sweater, like, you know, maybe you finished um, a sleeve. That's it. Mm -hmm. That piece of a project is done. Go get your thin mint. So there has to be a finishing ritual because it's very liberating. It kind of releases you from your creative work. Mm. And then you're free to do something else. I think for a lot of makers, a ritual they probably already have that's a bit unconscious is putting everything away. So, you know, anybody who, even if you have a dedicated studio space, you, you know, putting your tools back where they belong, um, putting your work somewhere in a designated spot. And if you don't have a, you know, a designated studio space, it's a case of, you know, putting the thing away in its storage location rather than leaving it lying out and leaving everything lying out sort of just ready for when you go back again. It's that idea that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. I'm going to put everything away and come back to it next time. Yes, yes. And then start from almost a fresh point, mm. in a sense. And on the other hand, I have to say that when I leave my virtual or real tools lying around, that's a signal to me that I'm going right back to it. Yes. Like, if something happens, and like I have a hobby for storing furniture, I wouldn't call it super creative because it's kind of a meditative thing for me, mm -hmm. but I really love, you know, sanding it and staining stuff and painting. And I find it relaxing and very rewarding. If my stains and paints and brushes and sandpaper and what have you, if they're on my big craft table, that project is going on. I know that even if they stay there for two hours while I'm doing something else, I'm, you know, I went grocery shopping because they're closing the store on me. When I come back, I know that it's time for me to continue. That project is unfinished. Mm -hmm. If I were to put them back, that's it. That piece of furniture is done. Right. And that's totally creative. <laughs> you do have a creative with helping with your hands after all. There you go. I always feel kind of deficient when I see real makers <laughs> next to me. So, you know, I don't claim credit where no credit is due. I'm good at what I do. But... No chops that don't belong to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. So I, I, I really like this because I think a lot of people have these sort of systems and rituals unconsciously. And so we're sort of bringing them out into the light and making people realize what they do. <clears throat> and then perhaps that allows them to make it a little bit more official and put conscious thought 
to it, which I think helps people to move from, from one thing to another. And also the idea that these, you know, when someone says, oh, you were saying ritual to start or finish, people might be going, oh, man, that sounds like what do I have to, like, light some incense and <laughs> chant or something. But yes. I mean, pentagrams. Yeah, right. It just means it's something really small and simple and quick. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you know, a big something I'm a big fan of is moving. Um, you, you know, actually getting up, stretching, uh, or walking around a little bit, rather than you know, it's, it's easy to get stuck sitting for so long, and then you just you lose energy from that. So just the simple act of, like you were saying, get up, walk around your room, have a glass of water, whatever it is, can be enough to sort of re-energize you and help you switch tracks uh, as well in your mind. So let's talk about some of the potential systems. Uh, We've talked a bit about a system to manage your time, a system to manage your transitions. What are some of the actual nuts and bolts systems that makers can put into their daily lives or daily work that will help them work, I guess, more efficiently and effectively? Well, so there are four major aspects where systems are really, really essential. One is what we talked about, which is time slash energy. How do you manage your energy and your time? And I swear by my calendar that has an integration with reminders Mm -hmm. because I don't want to worry about the meetings that I have or the tasks that I need to accomplish, or that little thing that I need to ask somebody at three o'clock, because this is when they pick up their child from school and they're driving, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. So calendars that I use to plan my week with reminders for everything, 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 everything. That's for managing time and energy. And then, you know, we already talked about the rituals, which you kind of invent. In terms of tools, I use Google Cal and, um, (laughs) you know, the reminder app. There are for people who like to ignore reminders, there used to be an app called Yelling Mom, <laughs> which would do exactly that. It's like yell at you until you stop ignoring it. Oh, my like, goodness. <laughs> I'm not sure this app still exists because I haven't used it in a while. Uh, then there's a system for managing money. Mm. Now, this division is a little artificial, um, these aspects, and I'll talk about it in a sec. But let's circle back to money. Because especially when we run a creative business, in my experience, and correct me if your experience is different, people who come into this creative space because they love it and not because they want to make millions Mm -hmm. tend to have a somewhat, I don't want to say strained, but (laughs) their relationship with money is as if money is something to almost avoid Mm, like it's not it doesn't take the space of you know the lifeblood of the business and there's a lot of shame around wanting money and around asking for money yes and around dealing with it because hey we're there for the soul and for the creation Mm. and for the beauty and you know way too many of us were conditioned that money is dirty and people who want money something is like not okay with them Mm. so There are a few fortunate people who are healthy with their relationship with money, and I applaud them. Um, But for those who aren't, it's super important to have a system in place that would take out the awk out of this relationship. Now, what do I mean by system around money? There are a few key components. First, 
a good system to process the payments. Mm-hmm. So for if you have an Etsy store, it's kind of built in. Yeah. It's really, really great. Because, you know, somebody just orders it and pays and you don't <laughs> need to actively ask for money. Yeah, It's different for people who, you know, are being commissioned a special piece. Mm-hmm. And then it's even more important that you have a set process where, let's say, people pay you X percentage up front and they say have, you know, an installment plan and you know where to look at any given moment of how much mean how much money you have how much money you're being owned mm-hmm. where each client lives on this continuum and you have a set process almost automatic one of sending people invoices and reminders yeah. and you have like canned responses that you could personalize but you have you know the basics yeah what to do when you're not being paid So that removes the anxiety of asking for money and worrying if you'll get money and looking at how much you have and how much you don't have and are you going to be able to put food on a table or buy something you really wanted for your business. When you have a system that kind of takes you as a person out of the equation, Mm. it's really, really helpful because the emotions are not running as high as they often are with money. So that's the invoicing and you know, kind of payment piece. Yeah. Another another super important piece is your budget slash your cash flow. Mm. And you can use, you know, if we're talking tools, um, I'm a big fan of spreadsheets. But people use Mint, people use YNAB, people use all kinds of fancy accounting software, FreshBooks, QuickBooks, Zero, what mm. have you. As I say, I'm a solopreneur. And honestly, maybe because of my corporate background, but Excel is probably better than most of the tools, unless you're really big, unless you're like a firm yeah. with a few people that you employ. That's just my personal opinion. Some people would think otherwise. Mm. So you need a cash flow and a budget, but that's not enough. Because if you have a really nice spreadsheet with all your income streams and all your expenses month by month, um, calculated beautifully, that's great. If you don't have a process of engaging with the system, and I usually recommend to do it weekly, Hmm. at least right if you don't look every week what's up with your money how much money came in from where how much money is going out what are you big spending this month what are you big spending next month do you have a program that you launch do you expect to get you know a five-figure sum next july what's going on if you don't look at it frequently and consistently and i want to emphasize the consistency of Hmm. it your wonderful tools are not really <laughs> going to help you much. No, absolutely. I think that's so important. Um, you know, I just used Excel spreadsheets for the longest time. Uh, I use Zero now. And it's really important to be looking, you know, logging because my husband works with me and he does all of the bookkeeping. So he does all the processing and reconciling and stuff like that. But for me, going in there at least once a week, looking at, okay, so how does this period compare to the same period last year? How, you know, where's the money coming from? Where's the money going? Are we in the black? Are we in the red? Are we had a bag? You know, we've got a big tax bill coming up. I need to save for that. All of those sorts of systems and uh, you know those sorts of that knowledge about what's happening with your money is so important to running a business so many makers like you said and you're absolutely right have a contentious relationship with money and they kind of avoid it and ignore it uh, because it's 
uncomfortable or you know like you said they've been taught that wanting money is bad especially for art Uh, and you know when you get past that you and you have to get past that if you actually want to have a business you can actually find joy and I find joy and excitement in tracking my money uh, and knowing what's happening with it and I find it quite motivating as well to look at my numbers and go hey this is you know I have a goal to reach or I want to do better this year than I did this time last year and all those sorts of things and it could be it can actually be an enjoyable part of business I absolutely agree although I want to elaborate on that a little bit because you are an inspiringly successful maker Mm. and it's very understandable that looking at your money is motivating and encouraging for you. However, I want to I want to say this. Very often in the beginning, mm. looking at your finances consistently, God forbid, <laughs> is hard because you're in the red. Yes. Because you beat yourself up that you're not making enough money and you're worthless and you should have stayed in your admin job mm. because 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 and when you just start to putting your money system in order and in place it's actually better to expect that there will be a hump at first there will be a learning curve and after a while it'll become easier but it's not it's not necessarily going to be really easy in the beginning mm-hmm. it's like in a sense it's like someone who lost a lot of weight and got in shape now Every time you look in the mirror, the mirror is patting you on the shoulder. And the mirror is telling you, you rock, like you're great, you're doing good. (laughs) But when you are 40 pounds overweight, and I'm speaking here from my own experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm that person that lost 40 plus pounds and I've kept it off for almost 20 years now. But when when you are this overweight person and you exercise and you look in the mirror and you kind of expect like, First of all, you expect to see yourself that you're not happy with. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the mirror tells you, no, you're fat, you're gross, you're horrible. And you still need to keep looking because you need to keep track of what's going on and you can't avoid it because it's not healthy. Mm. It's hard. And when you know that it's going to be hard, when you know that there will be this initial period before the mirror tells you you look like a movie star, it's much easier to get through it. Mm. And I want to add another thing. We started the conversation about resilience and how systems make you more resilient. And what you said, the fact that you really enjoy looking at your finances, this is resilience showcased and modeled, Mm. right? It makes you mentally resilient in your relationship with money. And money, as we said, is the lifeblood of your business. It makes you want to keep engaging with money, which makes your business even stronger. You're less prone to make mistakes uh, and you're just happier emotionally, right? You're, mm. you're stronger, you know, in a mental sense. So that's resilience. That is a big piece of resilience. Absolutely. And it's such an important, uh, it's in such an important thing, resilience. And it's something you can build and work on and grow and, you know, I know some people will be naturally more resilient than others just because of their life and their personality, but you can, and through systems, as we're talking about and other things, build that resilience and through other things as well, like, you know, exercise and meditation and whatever works for you. But those things 
make your your body and your mind function better which make you more resilient as well yeah what do you use do you meditate uh i exercise i meditate i practice yoga uh, i make sure i have you know definite blocks of relaxation and downtime i love to walk outside so i've got kind of a multifaceted tool bag of of things that make me happier healthier and more resilient for sure that's really cool and i'm really passionate obviously about helping other people find that as well Uh, especially you know my family has a really strong history of of uh, mental illness anxiety and depression and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and i've experienced anxiety myself uh, like severe anxiety myself in my life so using all of those tools to keep my myself healthy which keeps everything else about my life healthy it enables me to you know run my business as well and and keep on top of things so all of these things you know we talk a lot about business here as well but having looking at a larger perspective having these systems and rituals in all aspects of your life can only be a positive thing uh, because it helps you function more smoothly in all aspects of life i completely agree absolutely and especially in the aspects that are harder to manage Mm. So for me, for instance, for the longest time, it was exercise. That would be the first thing that would fall off the wagon in times of yeah. uh, stress and hardship. And the first thing that would go would be exercise. And you can imagine, you know, the effect of it on my overall life. Mm. And now when I have a set system, of course, because it's me, <laughs> I have a process and I have specific times and places for my exercise. It's so much better. Like I can relate to the anxiety Mm. peace and exercise is helping to keep it at bay absolutely it's so powerful so let's come back on track with this is important but come back on track with um you're saying there were four aspects of systems and we talked about money i think there was one more that we needed to cover so we need to cover actually two more. We talked ah, about right. time and energy. Yes. We talked about money. And what's left is communications mm-hmm. and information organizing. Right. Now, obviously, again, everything is interrelated because time is money and you can't communicate without, like you can't sell without communicating. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about integrating them a little later, but systems around, let's say systems around organizing information. What information? First of all, mm-hmm. information about your materials, information about your suppliers, information about your audience, never mind your clients, mm-hmm. information about marketing trends, like what beads are now <laughs> the most popular for the bracelets that you're currently using, or you know what colors, um, what did Pantone decide was the color of the year? Yeah. All this information, both for the core work, like the um, creative piece itself, and for the operations of the business, all this information needs to be easily accessible and well-organized. So you need a good system for that. And I really like the simple Google Drive. Like I have this Mm. filing tree in my Google Drive. It doesn't work for everyone. Some people still prefer paper filing. And I want to say a word about that. If you use paper filing and you hate it, and you can't bring yourself to like digitize everything, at least use colorful folders. <laughs> Make it enjoyable. Um, there are some systems that help you organize information like CRM. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people swear by Dubsado, and I think it's really great. 
because it helps you keep the information very accessible. And in general, a good system, when it comes to information, um, has to be easy to use in the sense that it's easy to enter information, Mm -hmm. it's easy to retrieve information, and it's easy to figure out what your findings really mean. So I'll give you an example. If I organize most of my income and stuff via email, and some people do that, I have a client like that, and I have a number of folders, and my most of my email traffic automatically goes to certain folders. You know, the mileage club points skip my inbox, and they go to the mileage club, and I only look at them when I need to. Uh, my client information lands right in my inbox and then goes into the right client folder, and so on and so forth. Because most of it is automated, it's very, like, to enter information is very, very, very easy. And nowadays, when I can tell Siri, Siri, send me an email that's such and such, <laughs> no. That can be easy too. Another system that it's really, really easy to enter information, especially for visual people, uh, is Pinterest. Yes. When I did my RISD interior design degree, I used Pinterest boards to collect inspiration for the rooms that I would design. Mm. And it was amazing because I could just pin stuff from all over the web or I could take pictures and put it right back on Pinterest. And I loved it. Now, Pinterest is not as great in finding information because I, in my view, their search feature is not the best. Mm-hmm. Like it will give you all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, there are other, there are other. So, for instance, if you use Evernote, their search is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's not for visual stuff necessarily, but you know. Uh, and then the so a good system that has your information needs to give you tools to find this information easily. Like the Gmail, for instance, has an amazing search feature. Yeah. You don't need to go like, and dig into folders within folders. You can just search. That's what I right. always do. <laughs> yeah, because, because like, why not? Mm. Um, and then the last bit, especially when we talk about financial information, which ties into the money systems, you need to really understand what the heck did you find? For instance, when you... Look through emails. You have five emails from Jessica, and it's kind of easy to pick the right one because of title, because of date, maybe. Mm-hmm. When you look into your finances, and let's say you're a really visual person, if you stare at a wall of numbers, it's it will create resistance. It will create like it will make you want to resent your budget. Mm-hmm. If, however, I went in and I created a few graphs that change according to how much money you're making. And how much money is going out. And visually, it's easier for you to process, right? This is a good system. Mm. Because not only entering and finding information is easier, understanding the findings is also pretty comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So that's when it comes to organizing information. The last system is about communications. And again, it's really, really, it ties into everything. Because if you manage people, you need feedback loops. You need a system to communicate, to make sure that people understand what it is that you want them to do, mm-hmm. and to and then to give you feedback and so in such a way that you can understand what's done, what went wrong, and maybe what's next. You need set rules, not necessarily very rigid rules, but you need boundaries and guidelines and manuals about communicating in most common situations. Mm -hmm. So for instance, what do I mean by that? 
When you send a quote to a client, notice how communications are again tied in with money and with time because mm. you don't need a lot of time to compose it anew. When you have a template for sending out quotes or sending out thank you letters, mm-hmm. that's the system. When you have meetings with your team on a weekly basis and each meeting has you know, a template for an agenda and there's a certain flow that happens consistently in the meeting. So say you speak first and people respond and then we have, you know, then we analyze what went wrong in the last project and then and then we dedicate some time and it's kind of baked in into the meeting. What are we going to do next? How we're going to help it? Who's responsible for what? This is a system that helps you communicate with your people, with your team. It actually one of the most surprising kind of byproducts of a good system in communications is that your team respects you. Mm. Um, a very long time ago, I interned for an amazing, amazing, amazing designer. She was like really sought after. Her creations were incredible. And she had a pretty large team. She had, I think, overall about 10 people working for her. Mm-hmm. And when she would ask someone, she would yell, like, <laughs> go to Home Depot and buy this stuff. Right. And then she would, you know, then she would charge to her next adventure and the guys will be like i'm not doing it she doesn't know what she wants she'll change her mind in two minutes like in two hours <laughs> i was shocked because this woman this she had this leonine presence in the room like she would command every space just by being there she was very kind you know she got people christmas presents she would accommodate their needs she was like everything you'd think like every checkbox in a good leader box mm-hmm. but she couldn't delegate she had no system for like clearly delegating to her team. Mm-hmm. And at least half the team was like, I want to say held her in contempt, but they didn't have any respect for her. Mm. She would not like, she was making their lives really hard. Yeah. So yeah, system for communications. It's really I, important. I think I just want to talk about that point about um, meetings or respect for, you know, a boss or whatever for those of us who work by ourselves you actually need to do this with yourself in other words have meetings with yourself about your business you know actually have uh, routines in place where you sit down and think about those questions what you know what went well this week what didn't go well this week Uh, how could how could I have done this better how can I do this better next time so it's almost like you know, because you wear all the hats, you have to be then the boss who sits down and talks to all the different departments in your brain about your business and the elements of your business and actually assess those. Because if you never stop and do that, you're just kind of, you can never actually make progress on improving those systems and improving those aspects of your business. You'll just kind of keep fumbling, fumbling along and never really make progress. So I think having like, a meeting with yourself once or twice a week, whether it's on a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon or a Sunday night, you know, different times work for different people, but where you, you know, you reflect on the week that's been, look at the week that's coming up and think about all these things. Yeah, this last paragraph that you said should be engraved and put on people's desks. <laughs> because it's rare that solopreneurs, especially people who haven't been 10 years in the business mm-hmm. and came to realize the value of these meetings with themselves. It's so true because when you are your own boss, you don't restrict yourself the same way you would treat your team. Yeah. 
you don't put the same boundaries around yourself because it's yourself. It's you with you. So it's super important what you said. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know when I fall off the wagon of that sort of thing, that's when things kind of fall apart and, and nothing runs as smoothly as it should or as it could. Um, and I think it's important to realize that like anything, like starting a new habit, uh, you'll probably fail the the first five or hundred times that you try but eventually eventually if you stick with it it, you know it will get better and it will it will become a a habit and become a ritual become a routine become a system and even those little little tweaks in your business like to to reflect on communications for example when I for the first you know I think years I would just send a oh, thank you whatever email and I always I always made the point of whenever somebody bought from me on Etsy I would send them a manual thank you email because I thought that hey they've bought handmade for a reason I want to foster a relationship but when I read a book um, I think it was Bernadette Gio's story of telling and it really talked a lot about how you can use your communication to bring people into your story uh, I sat down and, and consciously wrote a very, you know, detailed uh, thank you uh, letter that I and it's like four or five paragraphs long, like it's not short. And <laughs> I, I wrote it and I thought, what do I want people to feel about my business when they get this, and what do I need them to know about their order when they get this? So all of the important bits of information, because oftentimes, you know, when you're selling online, especially these days. Uh, if you're selling on Etsy, for example, they shorten the descriptions now. So people only see the first few lines um, and stuff like that. So chances are people haven't necessarily seen all the important information you need them to know. So by sending them something like this and hoping that they read it, uh, but making it, you know, starting it off in a way that captures their attention and, and guides them through it, you hope that you leave them feeling a certain way about your business while also informing them of all the inf- important information. And that made a huge difference to my interaction with my customers. Like I went from getting a reply to that, maybe one ever, you know, the original one, maybe one out of 10 person people would reply or one out of 20 people would reply. And it vastly increased to like one in three or something would send a note back saying, Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you so much. You know, and they would often then start to share their story. And so you'd build that positive relationship with your customers, which is it's good business. It's also just really nice and it's also really good insurance if things go wrong <laughs> because if people have a positive relationship with you already, they tend to be more forgiving and understanding if, you know, their item turns up late or whatever might, you know, might happen that might go wrong. So those little those little things can actually have a big impact on your business. Yeah, yeah. I have to say I've never thought about it, but what you say makes a ton of sense to me. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So we've covered a lot in this episode, everybody. I I know I've gotten a lot out of this and I I love Marina, how you've kind of laid out those different areas of systematization uh, that we can focus on. And there's, there's kind of a lot to consider here and there's a lot of different elements that we could focus on. And I guess I don't, I want to encourage people not to be overwhelmed and think, oh my God, like (laughs) I have to do all of this stuff starting with one thing and moving on is always a good thing to do. So Marina, do you have maybe one or two things or pieces of advice or systems that you would recommend makers kind of start with and then go from there? Absolutely. First of all, it's okay to start with 
one small step. It's really, you know, we mentioned David Allen mm -hmm. before, and he coined this concept of the next action, which basically means you don't have to think about the whole project. Just do something, the smallest bit that you can mm -hmm. to gain momentum. And it's very true in setting systems, especially for creatives, because it breaks down the resistance to the systems. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you feel that you want your money system to become better, think what your next action may be. Maybe it's opening a spreadsheet. Maybe it's Googling 10 best apps for small business finances. And that's it. It's really small. Like start as small as you can possibly imagine mm. and then congratulate yourself. Celebrate the fact that you've done it. <laughs> it's really good. Because again, it will keep you motivated to keep going. Uh, if you're stuck, by the way, and you're not sure where to begin, uh, come to my website. There is a course that literally says, which system should I tackle first? <laughs> Excellent. It's free. <laughs> and it'll guide you with it'll guide you where to where you personally should begin because mm -hmm. you would go through a set of questions and it would also point you towards options for every system that we talked about awesome so, so we'll put the link in the show notes but what's your website vision-framework.com Uh, sorry, .com or vision-framework.com if you prefer mm -hmm. uh, because I build frameworks for visionaries like the creators in your audience. So yeah, come hang out with me. <laughs> Take this course. It's like it's um, people have been telling me that it helped them figure out what they should deal with. Uh, where should they spend their first portion of TLC when it comes to systems? Excellent. That sounds like a perfect starting point, really. So I encourage everybody to go check it out, uh, vision-framework.com, and let Marina help you out and guide you through where you need to start to increase and improve your systems. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Marina, and sharing your immense knowledge on this subject. I think we could probably spend all day talking about it, but uh, we have other things to do, don't we, in our calendars. So Thank you for coming on the show and spending your time with us today. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. I hope you enjoyed that one, Thriver. Make sure to get yourself over and sign up for my free mini course. Head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash LBMF for Look Back Move Forward. And that kicks off January 1st.